within 90 days, I went from 40K to 1.2 million followers. There is an aspect now where I am wary of people coming into my life and they're after one thing. Hello and welcome back to Going Viral, the social media podcast. I'm Aileen Fitzmaurice and I am your host. Nowadays, we can barely go a few minutes without looking at our phones. But how exactly has social media turned into one of the most effective, creative marketing, business and advertising tools to ever exist? I'm hoping to dive into exactly that each week here on this podcast. I'll be sitting down with influencers, content creators, marketeers and business owners and having an open, candid and informative conversation about the inner workings of the social media world. This is a brand new podcast, so if you enjoy this episode, please do click the follow button on whatever streaming service you're listening from. This will help get the word out there and hopefully get some new social media loving ears on here. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week, I am delighted to be joined by the forever stylish Damien Broderick. I remember attending an event five or six years ago now and Damien walked in and every head in the room turned his way. He definitely knows how to capture attention with his unique style. He's been creating content for years, but in the last few months, his TikTok and Instagram pages have seen meteoric growth, numbers you wouldn't even believe. Now with over a million followers on each platform, I'm so excited to sit down and chat with him about how exactly this all came to be. Welcome to the podcast, Damien. I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing space. And yeah, I think this is an amazing idea for a podcast. So Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm chuffed. So I, I, to understand you as a person, I think it's really good to kind of like start off by diving into your earlier years. So based on the person who is sat in front of me right now, what do I need to know about your younger years to understand you? Um, I don't know. I think like anybody that knows me from like way back then like before all this um they would probably say that i'm still the same still the same guy um i'm very like focused like hyper focused when i want something it's like tunnel vision and i'll go get it um all through my you know my early teens that was football i was like hell bent on being a professional footballer and then as you get older and you look back in hindsight you're like probably wasn't that good um <laughs> so it's a good thing I'm better at getting dressed on the internet than playing football. Well, you're still coaching football now, I right? I still coach football, yeah. I coach eight-year-olds and 17-year-olds, which is, yeah, I'm probably better at that than I was at playing as well. So. I love that because I feel like that's something people don't know about you, but that's that's really cool. So talk to me about your younger years. Where did you grow up and what was it like? Yeah, so I'm originally from the north side, so right beside Barmount, small little estate called Kilmore. I always thought you had a Kulak accent, but then you told me you were like living in the south side. I live side, in the so south side now, yeah. Okay. So I got my, got my passport stamped and I moved across to the south side. Yeah. So. And what were you like as a kid? Most of my memories from childhood is like from where my mom's house is, there's like a big green, we, we call it the big green, it's basically a big field across, right, across the way. And every day for the entire summer, there was like, we just played football and it wasn't even like 11 v 11 it was like 25 v 25 it was just like a hell like it was like a royal rumble with a football thrown in the middle mm -hmm. um, and that's all i remember from from my childhood is just playing football all the time and then as i got older you can you know, go through your emo kid phase and um i wanted to be in like a bring me the horizon tribute band <laughs> um 
Uh, and then, yeah, you get older and you kind of learn to dress yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am now. What was school like for you? School was, like, kids listen to this, don't take anything from, from this day in school. <laughs> My biggest regret is, like, leaving school when I did and not, like, really knuckling down hard. But that was probably because I was, like, I don't know what the word is, oh, stubborn. Mm-hmm. I was just like, school doesn't matter because I'm going to be a footballer. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, like, that's stupid. Um, if I could go back to, like, transition, if I could go back to, like, the day after my junior cert, mm-hmm. I would skip transition year and I would just, like, put my head in the book for two years and it went, went much better. You know, like, that's all in hindsight now because I probably would be, like, sitting there with no tattoos in a law library somewhere <laughs> um, with no Instagram account and we wouldn't be sitting here, so... Yeah. Did you go to college? Um, I went and studied photography and digital imaging nice. in uh, St. Kevin's College. Uh, and then during lockdown, I went, um, UCD put courses online. I did and, one too. And um, <laughs> I done uh, digital marketing and uh, social media management. Um, and yeah. so that's what I've done during lockdown. That was such a lockdown thing. I did leadership and management. Ooh. I was like, oh, I may as well. <laughs> <laughs> Something to keep us busy. So what did you do when you left college? Did you start in employment straight away? Yeah, so when I kind of left college God, it's gonna make me sound so old it was like 2007 2008 ish um so if any listeners in their 30s you remember that that was like the height of the recession back mm-hmm. then there was like nobody hiring at all and that was one of the reasons why i went to college because it's just something to actually like kill time mm-hmm. like i'm self-taught when it comes to like video photography editing no disrespect to St. Kevin's College. It was an amazing environment to be in and surrounded by other creatives. But I actually didn't learn anything because I, like, I knew how to use a camera. I knew how to shoot photography before even going in there. But it was just something for me to like give my day structure. Mm-hmm. Like I get up in the morning, I go to college, I do these assignments and then check out at the end of the day or whatever. Um, and then I got kind of my first job in a Tesco. So I packed frozen peas for 20 hours a week. <laughs> For terrible money. That'll be like a news article now. It's mm. like where they started and where are they now? And it's like Damien yeah. stacking peas on the shelves. It's like rags to <laughs> slightly less, <laughs> slightly more expensive rags. So you're known for your style. Do mm. you think that if you grew up outside of Dublin, that it might have taken you longer to find your style? Like, do you think being in a city made it easier for you? Um, I think it's maybe easier because it's more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're down the country, like no disrespect to the menswear shops all around the country, but they all tend to stock the exact same clothes and dress the mannequins the exact same way. And I think all the lads down there are basically just dressing like their GAA gear, yeah. unless they're going out on a Saturday night and then it's like skinny jeans and trainers or something. <laughs> um, I think like I've always been like I I remember when I made my Holy Communion. So obviously there's going to be Irish listeners in this, so you know what it's like when you make your communion. But as a as a boy, I'm not like in a white dress. Um, I remember coming home from school and watching James Bond movies on like videotape. My dad had like all of them and I would like rewind it the day before and then like watch it. And James Bond was like my icon as a child. And when I made my Holy Communion, obviously you have like your nice fancy suit and your communion shoes. Um, I remember wearing my communion shoes long after my communion because that was like the only like dressy thing like that I had that wasn't like my school uniform or something like that. Um, so I think I always had that thing in my head that was like I wasn't afraid to be different so I think if I grew up in the countryside it would probably be more difficult like I shop a lot online now mm-hmm. but it would be tenfold then mm-hmm. and then probably take longer but it's only to get to Dublin and then yeah 
track it down the country. So somewhere. you were always experimental with your clothes and even in secondary school and stuff you would have stood out from the crowd. Oh yeah, big time. Like in secondary school I remember like in our journal they'd give you like the, the dress code and you'd always have to wear your toy and like wearing a toy never bothers me still doesn't I still wear a toy now. I, <laughs> I, like, I don't have like a day job and I don't go to school I still wear a toy. Um, I remember having like black shoes and uh, I remember putting like white laces through them or something just because I wanted to be I just wanted to be different and just things like that or um I remember I think we had a non-uniform day and one of as I said like the emo kids stage I think me and one of the lads came in but in our uniforms but we like kind of chopped it up so like chopped the arms off of our shirt and like ripped the pockets off and, and stuff like that like it probably looked absolutely trash <laughs> like what? that's so cool I, like I'm from a small town so I'm from the country and I remember I would like come up to Dublin and I would just walk to the uh, the bank in Temple Bar just to look at all the Dublin kids because they were always <laughs> so stylish. And I was like, I want to be stylish like that. So that I used to start wearing like creepers with my school <laughs> uniform and all I that love kind that. of stuff. So let's dive into your actual content because that's why we're here today. Mm. So could you explain to somebody who maybe doesn't follow you what your content is? Yeah, so I always just make the joke that like people be like oh have you like have you got a million followers i was like oh, i have no idea i'll just get dressed on the internet every day that's kind of it's probably being irish and like playing it down um to really dissect it before tiktok and before instagram made the big shift to video content all my content was fashion focused but it was still images it was like me on the street and like fake walking pose like influencers in the world sort of stuff <laughs> and um when the transition to video came, I was just like, I've no idea what I'm doing. I'm not like a trendy 16 year old that can dance. Like, I've no idea what to do. Seeing people like, like creating lots of different content on TikTok, it was like cooking videos. And it was like, I think I came across a video of a mechanic teaching you how to like change the oil or something in the car. And I was just like, okay, I can see the app kind of develop a bit. And then I was like putting my my thinking hat on and been like okay how do I do this for me and then I was doing fashion videos but it was like just to some like really tacky trendy sound and like really terrible transitions please don't scroll back for a year and a half on my TikTok it's really embarrassing <laughs> um, and that's what I was doing and then I remember someone asked me about tattoos and I like cracked out my microphone because like I'd speak really low so the camera like really struggles to pick me up that's the whole point of the mics and uh, people are just like, why are you whispering? I'm like, I'm actually not. <laughs> it's, just, like, it's just how I talk. And um, I remember just speaking about the tattoos. And that was the first video that really performed well. And then I kind of, being probably stubborn and like, I don't know, a bit like social centric, I kind of like dived into the analytics of that video and kind of like, why did that work? And why, why weren't the other ones working? And I think it was because like, I think my voice probably has like a slight ASMR kind of, quality to it i'm not going to deny that because it's my comments are flooded with that so yeah i'm just going to take people's words for it i agree and um, <laughs> and then i think it was like showing a little bit of personality because it's, if it's just me like putting on clothes to some music people actually don't know anything about me mm. other than what outfit i'm wearing so then i started to talk through the videos and the original videos were like six and seven minutes long i was like really diving into these trousers are made by this brand and they're from this cloth and they have these details blah 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 and then one morning I woke up and I was just like, I cannot be arsed <laughs> making a six minute video and then spending an hour editing it for 40 likes. <laughs> so yeah. um, I just woke up and I was like, trousers, short, shoes, timepiece, scent. And then that was one of my highest performing videos. And I was like, okay, they're still getting the voice and they're still getting the personality, but it's like chopped right down. 
So people are like rewatching it because it's less than 40 seconds and they're probably clicking pause to see what's happening because it's happening so quick. Mm-hmm. And then if they if there's something within the video that they like, they're almost forced to comment to ask about it. And that wasn't my thought process and be like, oh, I'll be real secretive about what I'm wearing and like, <laughs> you know, beta comments to be like, where are those trousers from, bro? Um, that wasn't the thought process. The thought process was literally, I'm lazy. How do I make this more convenient for me? Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of, yeah, just, just snowballed. And it's funny though, because what you're saying, I'm lazy as a creator, but it's actually the viewers are lazy too. Like everybody wants that quick hit. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of how I think TikTok and everything has evolved because YouTube was like, let's sit down and watch something for 10 minutes. But mm. now it's like, I want all of the information in 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And if there's something in that 40 seconds that I want, I'm willing to stay a bit longer. And then that's how you get your your high reach. So the last few months have been insane for you. Is it true that there were days when you were getting 100,000 followers a day? Yeah. So for almost a week flat, it was growing by 100K a day. Um, like you would just like you would refresh it and it was going up like 5K. Just just like a refresh and it would up like 5K. So it took me eight years to hit 15K. Then took me eight months to go from 15 to 40K. And to get to that 40K, I was like, TikTok was my big platform. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to drive that traffic across to my Instagram because I obviously want Instagram to grow as well. That's where all the brands are. That's where all the brand deals are. TikTok is a, still is a quite, it's in its infancy and they're still trying to figure out, like they're still changing their algorithm and trying to mold the big creators on the platform to create certain ways because they're trying to compete with YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like trying to drive traffic from TikTok to Instagram and how I was doing that was like I was like running my own giveaways I was like hey do you want one of my own personal watches go follow me on Instagram and I'll give it away and I probably sent like 10 watches across like America and one to Asia and everything else and then that's how I got to 40k and then just one day and like I wasn't even making Instagram specific content I was creating the outfit video and then just uploading it to two different platforms. Yeah. And then one day just the reels just start going off the algorithm just I don't know just caught wind of a couple of them just yeah they just went off and then within 90 days i went from 40k to 1.2 million followers in 90 days that and you can't see my face right now but like my eyes are popping out of my skull like those numbers are like insane yeah yeah like I, I had my management like contact me and be like we don't even see this growth from people that come out of Ireland. it's yeah. like this is mental yeah why do you think you blew up in that way i don't know i was joking with all my friends i was like someone in like I was saying Facebook at the time, but it's obviously meta. I was like, someone went in and just like with their eyes closed, just goes, this guy. <laughs> let's let's blow him up for a week and then delete his account. I was like <laughs> full blown convinced I was being pranked. Um, I've, I've, I've no idea why why me. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I've, I've no idea. Yeah. I think like watching you for as many years as we've both been around, I see a grit in you. And like, that's one thing that in the last few episodes I keep bringing up. I'm like, the successful creators are the ones that have grit. They just don't give up. They just keep going until they get the results, until they like start hitting the million, you know? Yeah, I suppose there's probably an aspect of that. But there's there's many times over the last eight years that I could have thrown the towel and be like, look, I'll just stick to the day job. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't even about like, as I said, like I'm stubborn and when I have a goal, I kind of like go after it. But we're creating content for like Instagram and TikTok, like the outfit videos, like I started doing them and continued doing them even when there was like very little followers and there was like very little traction because I was actually enjoying doing them. Yeah. It was a simple way of just like documenting what I'm wearing for that day. 
Um, like there's very, very few videos where I'm wearing an outfit that I don't wear for the entire day. Yeah. Like whatever I'm doing, like it's only if someone goes like, can you do like a Patrick Bateman outfit or can you do like John Wick? I'm not like rocking around town dressed as John Wick. Um, <laughs> but like those videos, like that's like an outfit built specifically for the video. Mm-hmm. But all the other videos is just essentially a documentation of what I'm wearing that day. Most of the videos are just like click, click, clap. This is what I'm doing for the day. Let's get dressed. And then I put the outfit on. And that outfit is what I wear literally until I get undressed and go to sleep. Yeah. So it's kind of like self-documentation as well, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So you shoot with lights, mics and cameras. Uh, most creators use their phones. Mm. Do you think the quality matters in your opinion? Um, yes and no. So if you had had this conversation with me like two days ago, I'd have been like, absolutely not. I think like some of the most viral videos on the entire internet are like probably the worst quality shot videos ever. Mm. I think the viral aspect of a video has nothing to do with the quality of it. The higher quality it is, the more likely it is to be conceived as an ad. So there is that aspect of it. Now, TikTok, I, I read something yesterday and TikTok are like trying to like mold their creators and the reason everybody's views are tanked is because they're trying to persuade people to produce much higher quality content and longer form content. Mm because obviously they're trying to take a piece of YouTube's pie. So if anybody wants to be a creator on TikTok or is already a creator on TikTok and you're suffering with your views, that's probably why. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm in that boat as well. Like I brought my big camera here today. I'm like trying to navigate TikTok once again. Yeah. So like almost like rebrand my TikTok, new content, longer form, higher quality. With me, with the lights, the mic, everything is like kind of, I don't know. I like things to look a certain way. I like it to be of high quality, always. The mic is simply because I speak really low. I think there's enough people shouting on the internet. They don't need me. Um, the mic is simply just like to pick up my voice. And then, as people mentioned, the ASMR aspect, I was just mm-hmm. placing the mic in certain places, to, like the zip sound or the pull tabs on the trousers or the tie, um, the spraying of the aftershave. But like, I'm not creating sounds and like I'm not like tapping my nails on like a a (laughs) crystal ball or some stuff like that these are natural sounds that are actually in the video I'm just enhancing them using the mic yeah and I I do think that plays a huge part of the huge role in my content is is the sound I'm aware of that that's like one of my favorite things about your content yeah it's like when I watch it I kind of I can like tune out and it's like relaxing to watch because I think yeah a lot of TikTok is really high energy and yours is a slower pace but it's mm. like a really enjoyable slower pace because it still moves, you know? Yeah, I get a lot of um, messages from people saying that like they basically listen to me going to sleep and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of weird, but okay. You're going to be one of those, you know, the way Cam does celebrities singing yeah. you to sleep or whatever. I'd, You'll be the next one. <laughs> I don't know about the celebrity status for that, but if Cam wants me to read an audiobook, I'll do it. <laughs> it's really rare for a creator to post the same content on TikTok and Instagram and see similar growth in tandem across both channels. Why do you think it's worked for you? Yeah, again, I, I I don't know. Like as I touched on earlier, like the that that was just almost like a laziness aspect of me. Like oh, like I was, I was seeing almost no growth on Instagram at all. It was really stagnant. There was days where like I would upload the reel on Instagram and not open Instagram at all until the next day when I uploaded a reel. Like I wasn't even like scrolling through the platform. Mm-hmm. I was like spending all of my time on TikTok because that's where my audience was. Probably get more hate comments on Instagram than TikTok. But um, really, yeah, I would have thought it would have been the other way around. Originally it was, but I think yeah. like TikTok's algorithm is really good at like not showing your content to people that don't want it. 
Mm-hmm. When I think Instagram, like their algorithm is just like just push, 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 uh, which is obviously great for my engagement. Like, I mean, yeah. if the haters want to keep coming, go ahead. Speaking of Instagram, you hit a million followers there. What did that feel like? Did you do the balloons, the cake? Did you have a celebration? <laughs> no, it was. Um, oh, I don't know. It was like probably like really anticlimactic. Um, my friends down a bar, the Wally Fox, like slow little plug. Um, I'm an ambassador for there, but that was like my local for years. Like, so it's not like I signed a deal once I hit a million followers. Like, <laughs> um, I was an ambassador for there when I had 40k, um, and I'm sure they're delighted now that I have more than that. Um, but we were actually planning on throwing like a great Gatsby style party, and like we had um, a band, we had like burlesque dancers, we had like a guest list, we had all the graphics and everything up, and we had like a day set. And I was like, oh, I think I'll hit it roughly around that date and it'll work fine and then within like two or three days i'd hit it and i was just like lads there's no point in doing that party because we're just dragging the arse out of this now because the party's <laughs> two months away <laughs> so i was like we'll just we'll just scrap that idea Um didn't do the balloons i think i got a message off my mom being like fair, fair play <laughs> um when you buy me a house or something i don't know um, and one of my one of my friends tim he's a big influencer from the uk and he drives like a classic Porsche and drives an Aston Martin and lives in a big huge house and he was like, man, your life's going to change. And I was like, nah, probably not. <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, it's going to change. And I was like, nah, doubt it. So has it changed much since? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was right. <laughs> he was right. Like, 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 don't get me wrong, nobody just like, you know, get me a hundred grand for an Instagram post like that still hasn't happened. Like, like that's one of the misconceptions I get all the time. People are like, bro, you must be so rich. I'm like, I'm like, I'm really not. Like, trust me. When you're getting millions of views and comments, does that inflate your ego? No, I don't. I like, I, I think like one of my very good traits is that I just, I don't have an ego. Like I take everything with a pinch of salt. Like I could get a bang of a bus tomorrow. But having a million followers isn't going to stop that. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Instagram could like decide tomorrow, lads, this is not for us anymore. Mm-hmm. Just delete the whole platform. I try not to think about how, that big of a number mm-hmm. I think one of my friends was just like do you know how many crow parks that is that's always my one I'm like and I was like Bleh. I love to measure people's following by crow park wow. I don't know what it is do you think you're unique in that case in Ireland or do you think like the creators in Ireland are kind of like there's nobody really with a massive ego I think it's an Irish thing to be self-deprecating to be humble and grounded because the second you're not the entire country will make sure that you are humble and grounded. They'll do it for you. The second you start believing you are the really big bollocks is the second you're not. It's like that person that's like, oh, I'm cool. The second you say you're cool, you're not cool. Are you single? Oh. <laughs> so I get this question all the time. So I actually posted the thing, Eric. I posted Eric Roberts in uh, my TikTok and my Instagram. I had him on my story from the Gossies. And uh, the amount of comments I got been like, oh my God, is that your partner? Oh my God, is that your husband? Um, oh my God, can we get more of Eric? And I was just like, you can have more of Eric if you want. Like, <laughs> go, go follow him. He uploads as much as I do. Um, but he's not my partner. He's not my husband. He's actually engaged to a lovely woman and they're due to be married this year. Um, but the reason I never comment on it is uh, it just has nothing to do with my content. Yeah. So like I get asked all the time. I got interviewed by, uh, by Goss. They asked as well. I said the same thing. It's, that's that's probably the one question where I'm like, no comment. Um, that's fair. But yeah. let's, let's okay, you don't need to answer that, but what's it like dating when you know somebody's probably scrolled through your page? Yeah, like even even like the, the dating, the romantic aspect of it, like there's, there is an aspect now where I am wary of 
people coming into my life and they're after one thing. Mm-hmm. They're after like, like this is not me blowing steam up my own arse saying that like I can get them this and I can get them that. But it is what it is. Like people are looking to go to the same events that I'm at. Like they're looking to be, like I've even noticed like other influencers, like we, we shall not name names, like where I'm at events and they wouldn't have looked at me twice. But now all of a sudden like they're like, let's get a selfie or let's get the press shot together. And all of a sudden like I'm a somebody now. Um, so even like the romance side of it, I'm very wary of, mm-hmm. you know. It filters across into all aspects of your life. It yeah, could be like management, time. it could be friendships, it could be yeah. anything. Big yeah. time because they want what they can, what they think they, they can, can get. They can benefit from yeah. you. I'm now a rung on a social ladder mm-hmm. that they're looking to climb. Can you spot it straight away when oh, somebody's attention? Oh, it's so intention? obvious. It's so obvious. And even no matter how hard they try to hide it, it is so blatantly obvious. Yeah, so just don't don't even try. Do you think this will be your career forever? No. When I'm 41, no one's going to care what I'm wearing on the internet. Do you think? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. I got a hair transplant, so I won't be bald on 40. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I, like, I honestly think like in a year's time, in a year's time, I'll be creating different content. I'll be doing something different than a year's time. Because like, there's only so many times I can click my fingers and get dressed on the internet and people find it entertaining. Hmm. Um, there needs to be an evolution to it, so... I think like media will probably be my career to some degree. I just don't think I'll be making outfit videos when I'm in my 40s. Yeah. I could see you being like the brand manager of some like elite luxury brand and like doing like the marketing and stuff. I could definitely see that. You think? Yeah. Like like Don Draper or something? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Do you think social media is here to stay in general? Like the business of social media? Absolutely. It's too big. It's not going anywhere. It's too much money to be made from it. Mm -hmm. And once something is earning like big brands lots of money they'll do anything to protect it it's not going anywhere so let's dive into your style because it's a huge part of who you are Mm. why is style so important to you I don't know I've never really thought of it as like something important I think it's just part of actually like who I am it's more of like like a self-expression almost like my granddad wore a suit every single day for as long as I knew he lived wore a toy every day other than a Sunday Um, came back from mass took his toy off wore a suit every day my dad was in the army and then transferred to the navy so I'd probably get the formality aspect from, mm-hmm. from him I remember I would like come home from school and I'd slip my toy down and slip it over my head so I didn't have to retie it in the morning and I'd come down and my toy would be undone and laid on my uniform because my dad would make me redo it every day um, and he's probably like teaching me like the routine and the importance of that but um, I'd say the, the formal aspect I'd probably get from them but it's also like just what I actually feel comfortable in. I look at myself and I feel comfortable and confident and people say all the time, like, oh, like you look really cool, but I could never wear that. I'm like, I'm not telling you to wear anything. I'm just like, I want to like inspire people to just dress whatever way they want to dress. I don't care if that's like a dress and Crocs. Like, dude, wear whatever you want to wear, whatever you're happy and comfortable in, Mm -hmm. be unapologetically that and go for it. And I think that's just what I try to carry myself all the time. Do you ever wear tracksuits? Only when I'm exercising. The same reason I don't wear like swim trunks and a snorkel mm-hmm. when I'm not swimming is the same reason why I don't wear a tracksuit when I'm not exercising. Yeah. What's your favourite outfit you've ever styled? Ooh, my next one. Oh <laughs> um, yeah? Stay no. tuned. Um, I get that I get that question all the time as well. Like A lot of my outfits are actually like when you actually break them down, they're very, very similar. It's generally loafers, it's generally trousers, some sort of top and some sort of jacket. Um, I like wearing my tuxedo. Mm. I don't get to wear it very often. 
it's one of the it's one of the few things that I have is completely custom made, um, and it's one of the few things I wear as soon as I put it on. I feel bulletproof. I feel I don't know, I feel like a movie star. I could be going anywhere in the world. Uh, I don't get to wear it often, but when I do, it's it feels really special. I love wearing my tuxedo. Do you feel pressure to buy clothes then to keep your content fresh? No. So that's one of the one of the beauties about kind of like my style is also kind of like my skill set when it comes to my style. If someone goes, oh, can you dress more of like a 70s rock rock and roll kind of style? Or can you do like a Harry Styles? Or can you do Johnny Depp? Can you do James Bond? Can you do Kingsman? Um, I have like the basics of a wardrobe are there. And then it's just like small little style details that would like sway it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like someone asked me the other day, I just bought a grey suit and I want it to be more PD Blinders. How do I do that? So I just put on a grey suit as if you were going to work and it's like these literally five tiny details take it from like your office suit to a Peaky Blinders inspired look. Yeah. And I think that's probably a skill that I that I naturally have is like how to style things different ways. But the beauty of my style being like kind of your classic menswear, lots of suits, point tailoring, things like that, is you can rewear lots of things just a million different ways. Mm. Um, so if someone actually looked really hard at my content, you'll see there's probably five or six key pieces that are reused very, very often. Um, it's just a different jacket or a different top or, you know, sometimes I'm wearing braces, sometimes I wear a belt, different shoes. Um, and you're just changing the vibe. The garment stays the same, but the vibe changes. Yeah, I love that. So it's more like quality over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like... Um, I'm in a very privileged position now where there's like a lot of brands that previously would be out of my budget that are now sending me uh, pieces. But there are also pieces that I have invested in like full custom made suits that have like saved up for months to afford. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can break that entire suit down. Like you can wear the trousers on its own, wear the jacket on its own, things yeah. like that. So, Talk to me about your tattoos. Mm. There's certainly a statement. Why do you love having tattoos so much? I started getting tattooed really young, so if anybody's really young and listening to this, do not do what I did and get tattooed when you're like 15. It's just a really bad thing to do. Um, but I don't know, I always joke that I have like body dysmorphia when it comes to tattoos. I don't actually see tattoos anymore, I just see gaps that I want to fill. Wow. And when I was about 18, I think I had about two or three tattoos when I was 18. And because obviously, just like a financial barrier when getting tattooed when you're like a child. Um, <laughs> I remember I got psoriasis really bad. Like I still have psoriasis now. Like so, like it kind of comes and goes. Like flares up really bad and then it goes away. So I can't get tattooed when I have psoriasis. It just doesn't work. Like it's way more painful, and the ink just doesn't take. So you're going through way more pain for a tattoo. It's just not going to work. Um. So I have to wait for my skin to be really good. And I was speaking on a panel, and there was a psychologist um on the panel, and we were kind of talking about it. And I made the body dysmorphia joke, and he said, "Do you think that?" Tattoos are you taking ownership of your skin because you get to dictate how it looks, mm. and psoriasis doesn't get to dictate how it looks. And I was just like, mind blown. I was like, maybe that's it. Um, but again, I think it goes. It probably ties into the style aspect. It's very much like another creative outlet and a way of expressing myself. And I get to dictate how I look all the time. Like I love them. I'm not even close to finished either. So you're known for your signature move. Here we go. You can rate it right. Ooh, solid seven. Seven? Solid seven. It's like quick, 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 clap. 
There you go. Is that like a signature thing for you? Does that like set off your flow for the video coming up? Or is it a way to grab people's attention? So funny enough, that's not how what it started out. So um, if you think, if you like close your fist and then take the palm and then clap it off it, click, click, clap that way. That was like an actual habit that I have. Like I do it when the camera's not rolling. I do it like walking around the kitchen. That's something that I do when I'm like racking my brain. I'm trying to think of like, what do I have to do today? And that's, this is what I'm doing to like stimulate almost, like ground me into like my thought process. And the clapping was, as you said earlier on, I record everything on like a camera and a mic. The clap was so I get a spike in the audio. Mm-hmm. So when I'm editing it, I can make sure it's all synced up so my lips and the audio are the same. So that's where the clap comes from. And one video, I like I was doing the click, the click, click, clap, literally from the, the very, very early videos. I was just editing it out because it was like, it's nothing to do with the video. It's mm-hmm. literally me syncing the audio. And one video, I just, I left it in by pure mistake. And all the comments were like, bro, what the, they're like, this is insane. And I was like, I'm just clicking my fingers. I don't get it. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just like, I, the, I think the following video, I, I, I obviously edited it out again. And all the comments were like, bro, where's the, where's the clicks and the claps? And I was just like, okay, I'll give the people what they want. Um, and then, yeah, it just became a signature thing. Like people stopped me like at the Gussies, people were like, do it, do it. And, and like when I was accepting the award and. Even on the street, people have stopped me and they'd be like, can you do it? And Miriam O'Connor from like um, R&AM had me on her store. She's like, he's going to do the clicks. It's like, it's, it's, I don't know why it's a thing or how it's a thing, but it's it's a thing. What advice do you have for someone who uh, wants to dress better and find their unique style, but doesn't know where to start? Um, Try to figure out what inspires you, who inspires you. Like there's Pinterest boards, there's literally a million and one influencers out there all dressing different ways like YouTube look it up on TikTok how to dress like a greaser how to dress like a mod how to dress like a, a what's the thing an e-boy or, an e-boy. or <laughs> like or whatever they are like or maybe it's like a like a K-pop style or like you know I don't know whatever whatever it is I think like the internet is a huge huge like well of knowledge just Go find the inspiration and then like really hyper focus on the details that make that aesthetic the aesthetic. So we were talking about trolling earlier. Mm. Do trolling comments get to you? No, not even a bit. Like, Do any ones in particular get under your skin though? If somebody put a comment on, is there like one thing that could just really irritate you? No, not really. Like the Peaky Blinders ones, it's that's less of a troll comment. Like I'm like, I understand where that comment is coming from. It's like the only style reference that they have mm-hmm. um, that just gets really old very quickly so and I I take a lot of time to respond to almost every single comment that I get like of 2 million followers across two platforms like so it's, it takes a lot of time for me to, res- to respond to comments and I do um, so when I get like 600 comments that are all Peaky Blinders related like it gets really old really quick responding to all them mm. um, and I think if someone's taking the time to, to comment like I think they deserve my time to respond um, the only comments I think that really get to me is when if, if someone else is in the video and they comment on, on them yeah. I'm like that's off the table because it's my content you can come for me all you want I'm the person that's like putting myself out there come for me I'm bulletproof do what you want don't come for someone else that's mm-hmm. not like that's when I'll that's when I'll like hammer down in the comments yeah. is more in defense of somebody else and it's why like you, you'll see there's not a lot of people that feature in my videos for that reason. Mm. You sometimes share trolling comments that you've yeah. gotten on your stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is very different from, you know, from other methods. But why why do you do this? 
Um, I don't know. I think like it was. Um, it was more like you know, like in, in movies when like in the the convenience stores they have like a wall of shame for the shoplifters. <laughs> yeah. like, that was kind of what I was like. It was almost like, I think when especially when I got the like verified on Instagram, and the following grew and grew and grew. People almost thought he'll never see this comment, mm. and they can say what they want, and they think that I'll never see it. So then when I do see it, and then I respond to it, and then screenshot it and stick it on my story, then they're like, oh. Shit, I got called out on it. Yeah, it might stop them from doing it again. That's the thing is, like, they can say what they want to me. Like, as as I've said, like, I am like, and <laughs> there's probably someone listening to this and like, oh, he thinks he's bulletproof. Oh, show him, go straight into my comment section and riddle me of it. But that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Like, honestly, it doesn't. Um, but I just think if I can, if I call someone out on it, and then they second guess, like, if if they second guess leaving that comment on the next video because the next video might be someone that you know has you know insecurities about something that they that they comment on or someone that might be struggling mentally and they're putting you know the bravado on for the internet like we've all done at one stage you know where you're having a really crap day and you're just growing the way of your content anyways and nobody knows what's happening behind the scenes yeah if i can deter someone from leaving that comment simply for me calling them out then great now, I am trying to train myself to do it less and less. Um, so for the privileged few that are on my close friends on Instagram, you'll see that I still do it, but just in the close friends. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to do it less and less just because there's so much more comments coming in and I'm trying to train myself to be like, the people that leave the good comments deserve my attention. And those who leave the bad ones just don't deserve the energy. And it's yeah. not because like they're getting to me and I'm ignoring the hate. It's simply because... I'm probably missing somebody's genuine question or somebody's really lovely comment mm. because I'm wasting time responding to someone, some asshole. Yeah, I get that. And I'm also like, for me, I if I if I do get the bad comment, I'm like, I don't want them to get any kind of energy from me in any way. I'm just like, bye. Yeah. You don't exist. You no, know? Like, like, there's been so many times where I've like responded to somebody or whatever and then someone like delete their comment or they'll re- like almost like backtrack and be like oh yeah it was a joke or whatever I was like yeah. yeah sure there was one guy that I shared on my story and then he reshared it to his story and he was just like this is how influencers should be this is exactly what it should be like like it was like I gave him shit and he gave me shit and this is exactly how influencers should act this is amazing and I messaged him to a story and it's just like sure what would the internet be without two strangers ripping each other out of it and yeah. then just a handshake <laughs> emoji and then he liked it and then that's it we went on our way where do you think trolling stems from? Um, I think it stems from insecurities. That's all. That's all it is. Uh, like, you have to be in a very low place to comment certain things on people on a complete stranger's content. Mm-hmm. Um, like all jokes aside, there's been content I've come across, and you're a human being. A joke pops into your mind. I'm just not going to leave it in a comment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just scroll on. Or if I come across content that I genuinely am not interested in, I'm going to be like. Yeah, what the fuck is this? I'm just gonna move on. I'm just gonna like scroll on, wobble my thumbs elsewhere. Um, and maybe that comes from the fact that like I'm not an insecure person, so I don't need to leave those comments. I don't need to try drag somebody else down to to lift me up. I think it comes from that. I think people are always really shocked that I get so much hate from men. Yeah, because people think like, oh, like, well, girls are catty, blah, blah blah. I think girls are probably catty behind each other's backs. Men will come up and say it straight to your face. They're like, you're this, you're that, 
you're short, you're gone bald, your teeth are showy, you have big ears, you dress like shit, your trousers aren't skinny, like peaky blinders wanna be, like whatever it is, like bro, it's not 1940. I'm like, yeah, no shit, bro. Do you think they're more men are more comfortable to comment on another man's content to rip them, or do you think that they would also do it to women as well? They, I, I think these these men. I think Andrew Tate has probably given a lot of these men more power than they deserve. Like they just think that they can say whatever you want. Oh, I'm a high value man. I'll say what I want. And I'm like, no, you're a low life. All you're doing is outing yourself as a piece of garbage. Like just work on yourself. So one of my biggest goals of this podcast is to shed light on the inner workings of this industry mm-hmm. um, and kind of give people more of a perspective on it. So I'd love to chat to you about how brands can find the right creators. Your image is so specific and I'm always really, really impressed by how your brand co- collaborations fit so perfectly into your visual narrative. So do you as a creator reach out to your dream brands or do you want them to come to you? I Again, I think maybe it's like an Irish thing. Like I, I would feel really cheeky to reach out to a brand. Um I'd reach out to a brand, especially now that I like, I understand the platform that I have and I understand the benefit that that would have to a company. So even though like my management hate it when I do it, like I'll reach out to a brand and like, I want access to your bar for a photo shoot. I'm happy to like tag you on my stories. And then my agency are like, dude, do you know how much, like, do you know how much that cost? Like, do you know how much like, value you're giving them like it's literally like thousands of euros and mm-hmm. you're giving it away for free mm-hmm. i'm like yeah but they're giving me access blah, blah, blah. and they're like no <laughs> i'm like it doesn't really bother me the money will come elsewhere yeah. from somebody who has the money um so like i would never reach out to a brand and be like hey do you want to collab and then like yeah sweet and i'm like yeah okay it's this much like that's really cheeky mm-hmm. i'd never ever do that mm. and even when i'm reaching out to like you know hey do you want to work together and basically like you give me this and I'll give you this. Even then I'm like, this is really cheeky. Yeah. And the benefit of having like management is that they look after all (laughs) that. If I were a brand and I wanted to pick a brand ambassador or work with a creator in some way, what characteristics and what kind of creator should I look for? I think it all depends on your brand, what that brand image is, what you're trying to communicate, what your long-term goals are. So... I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of, like, another, even, like, another male influencer. So, like, Conor Ryan. Me and Conor Ryan are really, really good mates. Really good mates. Love him. Um, But I often have to, like, play a tightrope because I'm also mates with lots of people that don't like Conor. Do you know what I mean? And I'm probably mates with a lot of people that Conor doesn't like. So I generally have to, like, play both ends of that field. I think I'm very good at that. Of like, yeah, I can be mates with you and I can be mates with you. You don't have to be mates with each other. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's just the nature of humanity. But let's say a brand looked at both me and Connor. Our content is very different. How we approach our content is very different. Um, I might call out trolls. Connor doesn't. Connor might call out some people in different ways than I call out people. So I think that brand needs to look at everything that we do and think to themselves, does this align with what we want? Mm-hmm. So if you're a drinks brand, do I drink? What do I drink? If you're a whiskey brand, Damien drinks rum and coke. So there's no point in being a whiskey ambassador, is there? Mm. Or, you know, Connor does his curry Tuesdays. So, like, if a gourmet restaurant comes in and be like, hey, Connor, do you want to be a brand ambassador for our restaurant? Doesn't really align. Mm. So I think, like, the brand really needs to look at not the numbers. Doesn't matter if we have a million followers. Like, that is irrelevant if I'm not the right fit for your brand 
for the product, the service, whatever it is that you're trying to communicate. You should focus on, say, someone that has 10K followers, but those 10K followers completely align with your brand mm. rather than my million followers and 900K of them don't want anything to do with your brand. It's just pointless. My favourite brands deals that I ever do are the ones who I know have looked at my page have seen themselves within mm. my content space and then they very much kind of give you the brief and they're like do as you wish because we trust your content like sometimes a brand that might not fit you directly will send you a brief and you're like this has nothing to do with me and then they, I would never work with a brand like that so I think it's kind of like making sure that when you're sending over the brief to those creators that you know that they're going to respond really well to it yeah, and as you said, like just deep dive into someone's content and see what they do, what they're sharing, how they share it, what the the vehicle of how they share the content is. Like my content is like very kind of slow, calm. Like I don't, don't know how to really describe it other than slow and calm. <laughs> so if somebody said like, "Hey, Damien, do you want to like promote our roller coaster ride?" Or like I'm, I'm sure I could probably swing it some way for it to be like it'd probably be funny, like me being like deadpan calm on a roller coaster, but. Yeah, I think, like, I, I got an email from somebody before asking to promote this product. Basically, after you have a poo, you, like, spray it in the, in the toilet and it makes your poo smell nice. <laughs> I'm like, what? This has absolutely nothing to do with, like, me, me as a person, like, my brand, mm-hmm. any of the content that I share. You're also assuming that my poo smells bad. <laughs> so. What do you think is the biggest misconception that brands have when working with creators? That it's easy. Mm-hmm. That it's easy, quick and easy to create content. Oh, you just whack out your phone and do a few things. Like, trust me, it's not. Like, it take it would take me less than five minutes to get dressed every morning. Mm-hmm. It takes me about half an hour to create a 40 second video. It takes me the guts of an hour to edit that video. So I'm talking an hour and 40 minutes of my day just to create a 40 second video for an Instagram reel or for a TikTok or whatever. The biggest misconception is that they think that it's quick and it's easy and they're paying all this money for something that's like so minuscule. Mm-hmm. But they're really not. Like they're not only are they paying for your time, your expertise, the content itself, they're also paying for access to an audience that you've built and not only have you built trust with that audience, like they really value your opinion on something and that's what they're actually paying for. The content is just the vehicle to trans like to transport that audience the message, the, the message across. Like mm-hmm. I sometimes I work with brands and they're like oh we want this video yesterday and you're like I Mm. need like maybe a week to get this concept in order to shoot to do all the bits and I always find like the longer I have to shoot the content the better it's going to be like if I'm rushed I don't know sometimes I'm like I'm not sure if this is my best work I remember doing a thing for um, Irish Coffee Day I won't say which brand it was Um, obviously it's Irish Coffee so you can kind of (laughs) deduce that it's a whiskey brand but I won't say which one and they messaged me on the, day, on the day, it was actually Irish Whiskey Day, and they were like, can you make a video today? And they were like, this is the fee. And I was like, I'm sure I can, yeah. And they were like, all right, we'll post stuff out to you, like a bottle of whiskey and the ingredients. And then it never came, so I emailed them back. I'm like, look, that stuff hasn't come, so I'm just going to run to the shop and I'll just buy it myself and I'll yeah. make, make the video. Made the video, sent it across. They were like, it's not, it's not creamy enough. Um, <laughs> can, you, can you do it again? So I made another Irish coffee. It's like, more cream. I was like, it's not. I was like, okay. So I made it again. They're like, it needs to be like really creamy. And they sent back like about five or six images. Like it needs to be really creamy. So I made it again and I got shaving foam and shoo, shaving foam on the top of the Irish coffee. And I was like, yeah. send it across. And they were like, perfect. And then they paid the money into the wrong bank account. Um, 
they put they I sent my bic and I ran across and and with the invoice and uh, yeah I never even got the money for that. No way. So four videos and a shaving foam later and I didn't mm. get paid. I think something that like followers don't see is how many re-edits you might have for oh a for an ad. Oh yeah, there can be a lot. So as a creator, what makes you say yes to a brand that wants to work with you? Um, I think how they approach it is a is a big deal. Like how they communicate. Um, like I remember getting an email from a brand, and I think they called me Daniel, and I was like straight off the bat, I was like, mm. it can't even be a typo. There's not even an L in my name. Um, so like little things like that, just how the email comes across. If it comes across like your generic copy and pasted email, I'm like, I'm already like, yeah, it's yeah. probably not for me. Um, and then depends on like what they're asking for. If they're asking for crazy deliverables, and the fee is like re- like borderline insulting. Um, and there's sometimes where the fee is like astronomical and they're asking for borderline nothing and I'm almost like well if I'm doing this I can also do this 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 and this because like, it's all within the same shooting process and you're probably getting more for your bang for your book yeah bang for your book and then they're generally like oh my god yeah amazing sweet mm-hmm. and like I think like I like to be fair I'm never going to take advantage of a brand just because they have a big a big budget um, because I want the content it's my content and it has to land on my page and my audience have to see it I don't ever want it to come across that i just done something really quick and thoughtless for a paycheck yeah. I want the brand to really really think about what the campaign that is what the whole campaign is and how they want it to be perceived and then on my end I want a lot of thought effort production to go into you know getting that message across to the audience. So mm. I think everything just needs to be aligned. What's your dream brand that you'd love to work with as a creator? Oh, Rolex. <laughs> um, no, like, no, probably not even Rolex. Um, I'd love to start working with like tourist boards, airlines. I love traveling. I love photography and I love going to new places, meeting new people. Um, I'd love to travel more. I don't know how that would work with my content, like let's get dressed, we're in Italy. So I'd love to do big things. Um, I'd love to do like Barber one of my favourite favourite brands I'd, I'd love to do like an edit with Barber but I'd love to work with like you know go to fashion week and be like dressed by Louis Vuitton or Valentino and Gucci and like you know that be your actual job <laughs> to, to go I see that for you to go sit in a sit in front row of a, of, um, of a fashion show like when I was I was the sounds like you know like hey look at me look what I did I was in Paris at Valentino last week and I was during fashion week and I was like Noah Beck was in the room and Ed Westwick and they've been in Paris all week like before the Valentino show they were at the Balmain show mm-hmm. and they were dressed by Balmain and sitting in the front row and I was like mm. not that I'm jealous but I wish that was me it will be soon enough oh I don't know I'd love to finish this episode with some words of wisdom for aspiring content creators because I feel like they're definitely listening how do you grow on social in 2023 probably like look at content that you really enjoy creating and then think how do I make this mine how do I put my stamp on this and my brand on this and I think once you do that in like a really authentic way I think we actually only were speaking about the gossies and, and stuff like that and I think the industry is moving in such a way that like authenticity like being authentic and being yourself is so important like the I hate saying like the general public like but like your viewers your audience like whether you've whether you're yet to build them or whether it's already there they will see through the bullshit so quick 
they're so used to it they've been around the block they've seen all the influencer scandals from you know your one with the L'Oreal thing on TikTok a few months ago to like James Charles and Jeffree Star and everybody in between they've been around the block they know the score there's no point in trying to pull wool over the eyes because it's just not going to work just be yourself find content that you genuinely love creating that you would probably create even if Instagram didn't exist and just do that consistently like I uploaded I think in the last 13 months I missed four reels that's a reel every single day for like the goods of a year and a half and like that consistency pays off and I think like it's done in an authentic way it's real life I'm not dressing up for a video I'm not taking that off and then popping around town in our face tracks it's real life and I think if you can translate that across in a way that is unique to you I think that is a recipe to win no matter who you are like no matter you know if you're male female if you identify as neither of those if you are tall small slender big whether you're doing fitness videos or fashion videos whether it's cooking or whether it's reviewing cars I don't think it actually matters what you're actually doing if you can do it in a consistent and authentic way I think you're onto a winner What's next on the cards for you? Ooh, we're actually on a podcast now, obviously. Um, so this is a, an exclusive. It'll, it'll, pro- it'll probably be over the time this is out, actually. So um, me and Al Foran, we're both big Manchester United fans and we're doing a Manchester United podcast. Class. Um, so, yeah, the idea behind it is that there's like lots of podcasts and stuff for Liverpool fans, but it's actually nothing for United fans unless they go to the UK. So we tend, we're, we're, the idea is that we'll be the, the Irish voice of... Um, for United fans um, so that's exciting and then oh I don't know just take things kind of as they come in my stride um, lots of travel planned I'm going to Italy on a wellness retreat on Monday so that would be really nice um, kind of it's all about meditation and manifestation and recce healing and grounding yourself and I think with the whirlwind the last couple of months has been I think it's probably timed really perfect and then I'm going to Hong Kong next month and in a collaboration with a watch brand over there. So I get to shoot content in Hong Kong wow. and I think they want me to design a watch. Wow. Um, so that would be a new experience for me. I've obviously never done anything like that before. So that would be really exciting. Uh, and then it'll be May. I have lots of summer plans. I'm trying to, we're like in a music studio now. So you know the band uh, Mindskin mm-hmm. that won the Eurovision. So um, Damiano follows me on Instagram and we like kind of, few DMs back and forth or whatever and they're playing the Stadio Olimpio in Rome on the 27th and my birthday is on the 30th so we're trying to play the long game now and see if we can get a Let's Get Dressed with Damiano to, uh, to get a like, Let's Get Dressed for the Moinskin concert or something like that um, so I, I don't know how that'll work because obviously they've got a huge affiliation with Gucci and Gucci have absolutely no idea who I am <laughs> they've no idea I exist um, so I don't know how, how possible that'd be but like they're kind of like pipeline ideas that I'd, mm. I'd, I'd ideally love to love to get done. Damien it has been such a pleasure to have you I've known you for so long and I've just loved this conversation and I just can't see can't wait to see how far you go I know you're unstoppable and you'll be wearing Gucci on the red carpet soon enough oh, Custom made Gucci <laughs> uh, Don't forget this is a new podcast so I really appreciate any shares um, of this episode online and stay tuned for the next one Thank you so much <laughs>